You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. Coming in hot the day before NFC Championship Weekend. The Packers set to uh, take on the San Francisco 49ers in San Clara, California, for 40 miles outside of, uh, of San Francisco. Um, and uh, we are going to talk all things San Francisco versus Green Bay uh, as we are set to be joined by uh, Jennifer Lee Chan, uh, who covers the 49ers for NBC Sports in the Bay Area. She was nice enough in stop-and-go traffic to take a little bit of time out to uh, call us and and uh, talk a little football. So um, we'll get there in just a second. I am Zach Rapport. Follow the show at the APC pod. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Acme Packing Company. That's where we are. We are the flagship show there. Um, and I am joined by uh, my trusty co-hosts. Alex, out in uh, out in New York. Alex Patakis, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well. How about you? I'm doing all right. What are you uh, you looking for? Uh, Kleenex. There you go. That's that's always bad audio. I'm always describing what's happening on the video chat, and uh, no one's interested in that except for me. But you were like, as I was introing you, you were like frantically searching for yeah, something. Sorry, <laughs> it was it was a Kleenex. My nose has been running. Uh, I have a a bad cold. I'm trying to kick before I have to head to. Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I will be watching this NFC Championship game alone in a hotel bar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you could you you could possibly, uh, because you're in Michigan, be watching it with Ben Foldy. But Ben Foldy, you are going to be trading places and going to New York. Is that correct? I'm going to be in New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you going to watch at Tom and Jerry's? That seems like the plan at the moment. If any of our uh, listeners uh, are in New York. For this game, Tom and Jerry's. They don't pay us any money. We just, we nope. like them. They're nice. They don't even save us a table. It's true. But uh, someone associated with them serves brats at halftime. Get there very early, I would say. How early is very early, you think, this time around? I would consider just watching the AFC. Well, see, if you're going oh, to Jesus New York to Christ. visit your girlfriend, I don't think she's going to Yeah, want... I can't talk her into that. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, before we get to uh, Jennifer... Um, all the pomp and circumstance came out this week with the uh, with the media availabilities. We got players are at the podium instead of their locker. There's like the new uh, background in the the press conference room. There, they're like NFC Championship background. It's not whatever it is, Packers and Bell and Health or Piggly Wiggly or whatever it uh, whatever it normally is. But um, I thought an interesting theme that sort of emerged from a few of those uh, interviews between. Um, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers' availability and Matt LaFleur's availability. There were a lot of questions, obviously, about the first time uh, week 12 that the Packers played the uh, 49ers. And I don't know if you guys remember, but it did not go so well. And um, this theme sort of emerged of, of LaFleur and Rodgers and others kind of talking about how the team sort of stepped back at that moment and, and realized like things that they were doing you know, incorrectly or things that they could change uh, in terms of preparation, in terms of communication, and in terms of sort of the, just the, the, the day-to-day throughout their work week. Um, and they sort of proactively after that made a, a conscious effort Retro, not not proactive because <laughs> they lost, but they made an active effort to uh, to make some changes there, and that really struck me as uh, Alex. You and I were texting about this, but that really struck me as something that is uh, is unique to this Packers team, at least compared to the McCarthy teams uh, of of past. I don't know if you have feelings about uh, sort of the the flexibility or inflexibility of the Mike McCarthy teams of of yore. Yeah, well, the McCarthy team certainly didn't feel very flexible, especially in the late stages. But this, listening to Aaron Rodgers' press conference on Wednesday, um, and you know, even even Matt Lafleur himself, it, it did seem like that game. As much as we talked about on this show, as it was like us, it changed our entire perception of the Packers. Uh, in a way, I think it did that for the Packers, which is really cool because it there was like a ton of like introspection a ton of like well we can change things that we do and i think that that in some ways results uh, like the result from that was like a little bit of what we saw last week you know against seattle with aaron Rodgers, even some other senior players like Devonte adams having a say in the game plan like being able to have that open communication with lafleur to create their own plays that they add into the scheme uh and mike Pettin since added to it uh, i was just reading ryan wood actually moments ago on twitter um Mike Pettin had a weird quote. I think it was today uh, as we record this on a Thursday um, saying that after that game, uh, his defense was like, all right, no more guessing. We're like, we're going to communicate better. And I don't know what that means. Like if like, you know, it's not a necessarily a new scheme, a lot of new players in it. Um, I don't know if they're like, if that just means they weren't like literally weren't like vocalizing calls and everyone thought that they were on the same page in mm-hmm. that game or what but uh i'm glad there's no more guessing but i thought that that even that was kind of like eye-opening because it's like well why the fuck were you guessing yeah, before, what were you doing before? <laughs> this, this huge thing i thought like you know talking is like the key to defense right in like every sport um so anyway yeah i was i thought it was an interesting theme yeah and i think uh it's it, it makes sense like you noted um, you know, we as fans kind of felt that that, that moment was like, a and, and Ben, I remember you saying this, uh, earlier in the week, but that game, that loss sort of took the wind out of our sails, uh, as Packers fans, uh, during the season and, and kind of changed our perception of the team. And it's just, uh, it's interesting to hear, uh, some, uh, senior team members and even the coaching staff kind of, uh, also, uh, admitting that it did the same for them. And it's, it's exciting to, uh, to hear them talk about the ways in which they kind of uh, looked in the mirror, as as we said a few times this season, that they might want to do um, uh, in order to get better. So that, I think, bodes well, bodes better. <laughs> we will see how it all shakes out. But before then, uh, let's get the opinion of someone on the 49ers beat as we are set to be joined uh, by Jennifer Lee Chan to talk NFC Championship matchup right after this. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy to be joined now by Jennifer Lee Chan at Jennifer Lee Chan on Twitter. Covers the 49ers for NBC Sports in the Bay Area. Uh, where they will play host to our Packers this weekend in the NFC Championship game. No big deal. Nothing to see here, Jennifer. I'm sure it's been a very normal week for you. So thanks for joining us. And how are you holding up? <laughs> I'm doing all right. You know, trying to battle my way through the scrum of the 5,000 media members that have all of a sudden shown up in Santa Clara. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably better than... Uh, the, uh, the media situation in Green Bay as everyone tries not to get the flu that has been apparently going around for two weeks. So that's been fun. Oh, yeah, that is not good. The flu is, uh, and it's a vicious one this year. It's really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. We actually, it's, we built a catapult to like fling diseased linemen's bodies over, over the wall of the stadium <laughs> and, and, and it's like, it's like some medieval uh, biological warfare stuff. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Uh, so Jennifer, you you were with SB Nation for a while, correct? Give us a give us a, uh, our listeners a little bit of a, a, a history of uh, you covering the team and your uh, your fandom with the 49ers before we get started. Well, it all started with my grandfather having season tickets for the team for about sixty years, so he had tickets at Candlestick and even before that at Keysar. So uh, it's kind of genetically in my blood, and. Uh, kind of when they moved from Candlestick, my grandfather uh, was a little upset with the uh, fees and whatnot. So he decided or vowed to never give them another penny. So I had to figure out a way to get into the stadium without giving the money and uh, kind of at his request. And so uh, I started writing about the team. First wrote for uh, a website that is no longer, but it's taken on a new name. It was NFL Female. It was 32 women covering all 32 teams. And they still have a site now. I think it's called Our Turf Football. Uh, I guessed posted for Niners Nation, part of the Estimation family. And uh, the editor at the time, David Cuchillo, asked me if I would like to come on. And I did. And every year, my role kind of got bigger. And then just, it's been my, this is my second year with NBC Sports Bay Area. And uh, I cover the team uh, a lot now, <laughs> a lot more regularly. Yeah, that's awesome. And if uh, if I understand you right, you have just come from the locker room there uh, in Santa Clara. Is that correct? That is correct. Just at the facility. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, like they say, it's, you know, just another week. And it really is the way the foreigners are acting, behaving. They have been loose. They've been, you know, uh, their usual selves. So it's, it hasn't seemed like anything different except for all of the media members here. The players are acting like they normally do, dancing around, having fun. It's just kind of the way they've been since the beginning of the season. So it's just another week. Yeah, I think that similarly that's true in Green Bay. It's almost like they're all paid for professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we start with uh, with the quarterback over there, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? 
was kind of an unknown for a bit, you know, uh, looked really good for six games in 2017, 2018, of course, uh, hurt his ACL, plays just three games. And actually, I saw some stories recently that, that he calls that injury a blessing in disguise. Can you talk a bit about uh, that and also just sort of your assessment of him after his first full season behind center uh, for the Niners? I think really the way it's a blessing in disguise is that the team had unfortunately a really rough season and in turn because of their record ended up getting Nick Bosa, which, you know, was kind of a good payoff. They suffered through last year, but having Nick Bosa on the defensive line has made a huge difference on how that defensive line performs. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has progressed this season as, you know, as expected. I think it was a little slow at the beginning of the year with, kind of getting his legs back underneath him. They relied heavily on the run game, but as he's gone along, there have been some games where the game has needed to be on his shoulders and he's taken it well and performed well. You know, I think Emmanuel Sanders coming in halfway through the season was a huge get for the team. They have been much more effective to the passing game with his arrival. The wide receivers have gotten much more productive and really the whole offense has gotten better just with his arrival it just kind of changed the way the the team works together they have been more productive he opened up a lot of things on the offense and the wide receivers the young ones have matured a lot with his presence being there yeah last week in the win against the vikings i know uh you know jimmy garoppolo didn't exactly have to do much i mean the running game was rolling and I, i feel like shanahan put on a master class of just uh controlling the game and and really just like manhandling your opponent on the ground do you do you feel like to for for them to beat the Packers and this kind of like rejuvenated Packers team uh after a win against a depleted Seahawks team um do you feel like the Packers present a greater challenge from the standpoint that Garoppolo will probably can't skate by with you know 100 130 passing yards um and and be victorious or do you feel like the recipe is kind of the same as it was against the Vikings you know, I think Shanahan is so smart about how he game plans and he t- kind of takes the game as it comes. So I think he'll kind of see what happens on the first drive and then he'll kind of adjust and maneuver the his scheme towards what he can get from the offense facing your Packers defense. Um, I think if they can get yards on the ground, that's what they'll do. If they can't, they'll find other ways to do it. So that's the thing about Shanahan is that he's so smart that way with the blocking and then, you know, George Kittle just changes the way the offensive line can block Kyle Juszczyk back there. I mean, it's, you know, you've got similar, similar concepts with the Packers, you know, using a fullback, which is not always what happens in the NFL these days, but they've got so many ways to move the ball that that's what makes them so tough to defend. Yeah. I think uh, last week during the broadcast, they, they mentioned how the Niners used more motion than any team in the NFL. And it's like on well over half their plays, I believe. Um, which is something that actually worries me quite a bit because I think they just create a ton of matchup problems um, for even a defense that's pretty well coached by Mike Pettin. Uh, so I guess I'm wondering, like, you know, we you could probably tell already by some of our questioning, like there's a million things about the Niners to worry about. Is there anything that actually worries you or maybe the Niners about the Packers other than like this wild card, like ah, it's Aaron Rodgers factor? Well, there's always the Aaron Rodgers factor, but I mean, also the Smith brothers on the other side, as you guys call them, are pretty talented, very fast. So those guys bring a lot to the table in regards to you know, the offensive line and their protection. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to be 
I don't think it's going to be history repeating itself from week 12. I think it's going to be a much closer game. I think it's going to be tougher, especially when it's, you know, it's the winter go home time. So these guys are going to put everything they have on the, leave it all on the field. And those guys are definitely two players that are very difficult to contend with. So uh, on both sides, I mean, Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley have done a really good job, obviously, but there's still a huge challenge there. So for for us, week 12 was like very far and away the worst game of the season and really kind of showed everything that could go wrong with this team. What is the Niners version of week 12 this season and how do we exploit that? <laughs> I mean, Shanahan is, you know, so diplomatic. He said, you know, it, it was a good team. They looked great before the game. He, he said the game was actually closer than what the score really showed. You know, he said he didn't even feel like they had really won the game until deep into the fourth quarter. So I think all of the players as well are looking at that as kind of an anomaly for the Packers. And really, you know, it they've bounced back and it, you know, might have been just kind of the kick in the pants that they needed to get it all together. And they've been playing so much better since then. So, I mean, but is there is there a game where all of the 49ers flaws were on display the way that the Packers were in week 12? Like, it was a regular season game that, that you look at as like, okay, that was the low point in the season. Here's how you can effectively beat the Niners. You know, I think it was Halloween night in Arizona where, you know, I mean, Kyler Murray ran all over the place. They got a ton of yards. That was probably the weakest game of the 49ers defense. Uh, you know, he's so mobile and so hard to pin down. And that one was just, you know, one that got away from them. You know, they have to make sure that you know, if they get a lead, they can't let a team hang around because that's been, you know, the last five games of the season where they were all within, you know, the last three seconds. You know, that's how those games were decided. They let teams hang around. So, I mean, there is that possibility that it could be close down to the wire and, you know, it's kind of which way the ball bounces at that point, who wins the game. So, I mean, a lot of those, Five of those games could have gone either way, and they've you know managed to pull it out at the end. So uh, for win, so just kind of you know, you never know. You just never know. And but that was a game that I think was where they saw the most difficulty on the defense. And then also the game they lost to the Falcons was one where they kind of came out of sleep. They kind of you know I don't know if whether it was overconfidence or whether it was um, just kind of thinking that they you know had it all in the bag, but that was also another game where they kind of came out with a little bit less energy. I don't think that's going to be an issue this time because it's such a huge game, but both of those two games were games where you're like, mm, what's going on with the team? So there is, a, there's always a chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jennifer, earlier in the week, uh, Richard Sherman was making some headlines coming off of the win on Saturday. I, I feel like that's a guy that Aaron Rodgers absolutely would love another chance to compete against. But we have seen him as Packers fans in the past uh, completely avoid throwing to Sherman's side, particularly in his heyday, uh, the Legion of Boom in, in Seattle. Sherman says when healthy, he's still maybe the best corner in the game. Um, I haven't watched the Niners aside from the Week 12 game, which I've erased from my memory. <laughs> Do you agree? Is he still a, is Sherman still a guy that you kind of have to game plan for um, in terms of like, you know, I'm not going to go his way. Um, do, do you feel like he's like a huge linchpin in this, in this Niners defense, or is it really just the front four that's kind of making that secondary look a little bit better? 
I mean, I think it's all combined. I mean, the three levels of that defense are all so good. So when they're all healthy, it's really just difficult to do anything against them. But Sherman, since coming off that Achilles, you know, he had the staple in there last year, which kind of limited his speed and his mobility. And so it's out. And this year he's shown that he's so much more healthy, much quicker, able to change directions very quickly. His coverage is much better than it was last year. I mean, I think last year he relied on his um, his brains to, you know, and just he's so smart on the field. He relied on that so much more. And now that he's got his body back to be able to use both together, it makes him, you know, nearly as uh, tough to throw against as he was back in his heyday. So, I mean, you know, as you get older, you tend to lose a little bit of speed, a little bit of agility, but he's pretty darn close to where he was before in coverage. And you know, I think history shows that you just don't really want to throw towards his direction. Yeah. Uh, the, the first time that these two teams met, uh, the Packers offensive line did not have, have a good day. They got banged up and it was Bosa versus I think Alex light. It was just a rough, a, a tough thing to watch as a, as a Packers fan, but fast forward to now and, and, uh, the line's playing much better. Bakhtiari has been playing much, much better. Uh, Bulaga should be back and healthy. Having a guy like Valdir uh, in there, et cetera, it all puts uh, them in much better shape this time around. But what about the defensive line and the pass rush for San Francisco? Can you give us sort of the rundown of since since that game, since Week 12, how they've fared down the stretch, kind of who's healthy, who's not, and what we can expect to see there on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think that game, uh, D. Ford didn't play, and he looks like he'll be back. Uh, he was out of practice yesterday, but practiced again today. He, they're just kind of taking it easy with him just to make sure he doesn't strain his hamstring again, but adding him on the other side. And they did some different things with him. They had him and D. Ford right next to Nick Bosa at different times. So they they don't necessarily both hang out on the ends with Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner in the middle. They kind of switch it up. So they've been you know pretty versatile those two are just so difficult to uh, go up against they're difficult matchups um i think was it yesterday mike mcglinchey yesterday talked about how bosa is one of those players that has all of the different skills to be a great pass rusher you know there's some that are power there's some that are speed he went up against him in training camp and said it's not one thing you can't you know give him one you can't like get him one category. He does everything well. He's just a force to be reckoned with. And uh, it'll be a tough matchup for the offensive line. Yeah. So it sounds like they're healthier than yeah. week 12, which is a scary <laughs> thought. Um, no, they are. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Packers, yeah, the Packers had good injury luck all year. I guess we can't really like complain. Um, we're lucky to be in a scenario where we get to see kind of both teams at full strength, I think. One of the things I wanted to ask about, uh, unrelated to um, these rosters, uh, but related to the coaching staff, are you shocked that Robert Sala is still on this staff without a job uh, elsewhere as a head coach lined up next year? And has there been any talk this week about any reason why um, at all? Like any whispers about what, what went down with some of those interviews? Um, no, I think he had a really good uh, interview with the Browns. I think they just went a different direction. Um, I mean, last year, everybody was calling for his head. And now this year, they're playing well just with a, you know, a couple of new key pieces added. So I don't know if he's, um, I think he's head coaching material. I don't know that he necessarily is right now. I know uh, 
Kyle Shanahan is very pleased that he didn't leave at the time, you know, at this time. So it makes it much better for and more consistent for their coaching staff. But, um, you know, I, I think he'll get there at some point. I don't know if just one year of success makes someone, you know, the right candidate to be a head coach. He's a great defensive coordinator, but to be a head coach, you know, it takes a little bit more. So while I am somewhat surprised because, you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately? Kind of, uh, lead, it doesn't surprise me too much. Yeah. I was just hoping he was going to leave <laughs> selfishly. Uh, the idea of, of, of that defense growing uh, another year, uh, under him next season is, uh, is pretty scary. Um, that division in particular. So I feel like, yeah, uh, Seahawk, I, I pretty much every good NFC team was probably hoping he was going to leave. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> of course. <laughs> we stand tight ends on this show. So I'm a George Kittle fan, uh, obviously a tremendous uh, piece for the Niners, but uh, I saw that he's got a bit of a bum ankle right now. Does that concern you at all, or is he okay? Uh, he said today in his press conference, I feel fabulous. Thank you for asking. Ooh, so he was a full participant in practice today. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> he's uh, he's very good with his verbiage. Um, he practiced today. They really think, I think they just gave him a day of rest. You know, I don't think they can call it a vet day for him, but he was a little sore. But I don't think there's anything that's going to keep him from playing on Sunday. He played through the majority of last season with an injury to his rib cartilage. So uh, he's just one of those guys where it's mind over matter. It doesn't concern him whether he's hurt or not. He is just going to play no matter what. So. A little ankle soreness isn't going to keep him from the field on Sunday. Yeah, rib cartilage. That doesn't sound totally painful at all. <laughs> That's no big deal. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, you said he was uh, really good with his his verbiage. I'm curious, um, who's your uh, who's your who's your favorite uh, quote on this 49ers team? The the player that that you think uh, has the uh, the best, funniest, or most interesting things to say. Kittle is definitely towards the top of the list. He's, you know, always fun and gregarious to talk to. Uh, Sherman always has great quotes as well. He's funny when he, you know, he gets on a roll. He could be uh, very wordy, but very fun to cover. Can I just ask, did somebody provoke him that made him go on that rant last week, the Richard Sherman thing? Because I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I've always been a fan of him, except for this week. Um, <laughs> but I was just wondering, like, who, are, are there that many doubters? Was there a poorly phrased question thrown his way? <laughs> <laughs> there weren't. I mean, I, the foreigners media loves him. He won uh, the award for being the the you know the guy who makes our job easiest. So, um, <laughs> no, I think you know, just like he didn't did shake Baker Mayfield's hand. I think there's always a little bit of extra motivation from you know fake or real sources. So. Sometimes he just goes off on one because he senses something. Uh, sometimes he, you know, it's, it's a tweet that he sees. Sometimes it's, you know, Adam Rank saying that the, the Niners are going to go 3-13. and 13. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, he finds his motivation in, you know, anywhere possible. Uh, sometimes truthful, sometimes not. <laughs> so I don't know where it came from, but it, yeah, it definitely showed itself last week. Do you think that's like 100% like, like, true to his personality or is there a little bit of like pro wrestler to him where he's kind of like putting on a show because i always think back to the like the sorry ass receiver like crabtree quote uh <laughs> post game in a in a uh -huh. uh, in a seattle game as a moment that i think uh 
a lot of people didn't like, but I very thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it at the time, I'll tell you. Uh, he <laughs> is just, you know, he finds motivation. And, you know, whether it's true or not, he believes it. And he believes it 100%. So whether it's true or not, it's there. He makes it a reality for himself, and that's his motivation. So, so do you, as a former professional wrestler yourself, who would cut a better wrestling promo right now? You or Richard Sherman? Like, if you guys were put on the spot. <laughs> oh, Richard Sherman, for sure. I mean, because he's a heel. I was a face. So he would be a fantastic uh, wrestling heel, for sure. Oh, so you were the likable one. So it was always like someone else. I was. Okay. You know, I mean, in the, it's, it's interesting because, you know, The Rock was hated by all wrestling fans until he turned to be a heel. So, you know, everybody loves a good bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you ever wish you could could be one, or did you you were like totally content being the favorite? I mean, everybody wants to be a heel. Who doesn't want to be a heel and like you know break the rules when you can? So yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like like everybody at some point I guess plays both roles. But now that I think of it, I would yeah. When I was growing up, The Rock only became cool when he became a total like douche. <laughs> there was nothing like like. I, so weird um to think of it that way but yeah uh cool like how long did you do that by the way the the wrestling i did it for a season we were on upn at the time so uh it was it took about a six months for us to get trained and know how to do it well decently enough to be uh on tv we did a full season nationally syndicated and then it was kind of on hiatus for about 10 years. And then he brought us back and we had two live shows in Vegas. I also did a couple of indie shows in Alaska and uh, they cut those two live shows into a season uh, that I think went up online. So uh, I retired due to a concussion <laughs> and just my body couldn't take it anymore. You're smart. You're like the Chris, like the Chris Borland of, uh, <laughs> of, of wrestlers. Good job. Oh man. Poor exactly. For Chris. Exactly. I know. All right. Well, from uh, from heel to face and back again. Why don't we, uh, as we wrap up here, get a prediction from you? What What is your honest interpretation here of of what's going to happen on Sunday? You know, I'm not a big uh, prediction person, but I think it's going to be closer than it was back in week twelve. I'm going to be. Oh, I'm going to say twenty one twenty four. And I think it'll be the Niners. Ooh, that's a spicy um, one. Twenty-one, twenty-four. Is is the line still seven close. five? Do we know seven point five? Is that? Yeah, I believe uh, this morning. I think it was. I don't know if it's moved. Yeah. Yeah. I know it opened at seven. So. All right. So Packers to cover. That's. I mean, that's very close. Yeah. That would. That would be a treat. I'll sign up for that. <laughs> I think it will be. You know, it's it's, it's that last game. Everybody's got a that you know that mentality. Uh, Jennifer Lee Chan, we, uh, we thank you for stopping by at Jennifer Lee Chan on Twitter, again, covering the 49ers for NBC sports in the Bay area. Any, uh, any parting words or, or content you want to pump, uh, for our audience here before we let you go? Uh, well, I mean, we all are Packer fans, but it really is a, I'm headed to a cool event that helps the, uh, alumni of the 49ers that are in need. It is, uh, also a book it's letters to 87 so just kind of a, an interesting piece of history of the 49ers if you buy the book anywhere the proceeds all go to this golden heart fund which helps alumni because you know the nfl doesn't do that great of a job helping the alumni that are in need 
in, you know, with health issues from playing the game. So if you have a 49ers fan in your family, grab the book on uh, Amazon or anywhere else you can find it. It's Letters to 87. It's people telling their stories about where they were when the catch happened, which really was kind of the turnaround for the franchise. So it's, it's a fun book. There's lots of great pictures and uh, some great letters from fans. So if you have a 49ers fan in your family or your friends, that's, it's a great gift. Yeah, that sounds cool. Really good cause. And uh, everyone should check that out. And uh, Jennifer, thanks so much for stopping by. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Hope it's a great game with no injuries on Sunday. Fingers crossed. We just hope both sides have a good time. <laughs> that's, you know, that's always what we say. <laughs> just want everyone to have fun. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Jennifer Lee Chan at Jennifer Lee Chan on Twitter for joining us and giving us the Niners uh, perspective and perhaps not uh, not giving us the the good news that we wanted to hear. I don't know, uh, Alex, I, I almost kind of felt like she was painting a picture of she s- seems to think that the Packers are better and it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a closer game. But everything she was describing about who was available then, who's available now who's playing good now. It just seemed like she thought the 49ers were also better now. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely healthier um, with the addition of D Ford and Quan Alexander. And, um, you know, the Packers are fully healthy. This is like a, you know, a Madden game with the injuries, like the pre-existing injuries turned off. Basically. It's like, we're going in this with our starting 22 um, against your starting 22. And, Let's do the damn thing. So, I mean, one can only hope, man. Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's that's all we got. <laughs> like, I think that is all she's scared of. But uh, that's the only reason I could think that the Packers might be able to win this game anyway. That's not all we got. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Well, no, you have other players. I just mean, like, the, the, he's just that factor of, like, he's been there before. Like, I, I, you know what it is? It's that the pressure to me is it, it's on everybody because it's the NFC Championship game. But the Niners have, like, everyone's like, that's the team. They have a reputation to uphold. And I like the Packers in an underdog role. Yeah. Um, sometimes. You know, as a fan, <laughs> I think it's I, it's more fun to be the Packers in this situation, certainly, than I think it is to be the Niners, right? I mean, if we lose, okay. Everyone expected that. If we win, it's like... Playing with house money. Yeah. I mean, isn't that fun? Like, isn't I feel like the lead up is so much more fun when you're not the team that's expected to hold serve or whatever they say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I I'm fine. <laughs> any any outcome this week, I'm fine with. As you once again recline back on your chair, it's like, ah, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. Feeling good. Ready to go. <laughs> I love <laughs> that it's, what it'll be. Do you like do you guys like that it's a second game too? Because I always loved that. Like I loved like kind of having the idea of like start you know if the Packers are up seven nothing I start to paint a picture of like a Rogers versus Mahomes Super Bowl or Ugh. how many Packers it's going to take to tackle Derrick Henry. Uh, I I like the I mean the the prime time nature of being that second game is is really cool but the thing that I don't like is I'm already on edge and anxious for this game to start. I've been feeling like you know since like. Tuesday afternoon, basically, I'm just like, when is this football game? I need it to be right now. So, like, the lead up, I feel like, is, I don't know, it's going to be a little harrowing. It'll be a journey. We'll get there. (laughs) 
But uh, Ben, as I hit the polka, you mentioned House Money. The uh, the line seven seven and a half still hasn't really moved. It seems like uh, who are you taking? Um, I mean, fuck it at this point, right? <laughs> I'll take the Packers. Yes, Packers money line. Packers cover the spread. Packers to do it all. Alex, you're nodding your head. You you agree with that logic? I mean, yeah, like no one's holding me to this. I, I uh, did place a an actual wager today when I got the half point back that was missing for some of the week. So <laughs> Packers plus seven and a half for sure. Yes. But who's to say they can't win this thing? Um, Rodgers probably won't turn the ball over, I'm hoping. And Garoppolo will. So you know what? I'll take my chances. Yeah. Let's go. I, I, I had this thought, and, and this isn't like the reason you play the game do you remember last season garoppolo gets hurt in the first game like the reason you play the game and i'm not saying i want anybody to get hurt but like there's all sorts of things that can happen yep. in this game that yep. would totally derail yep. and any of it and that's the so. thing that alex you and i were talking about a little earlier this week uh, the whole metrics me- metrics gate that's going on uh on twitter in the football world it's just you know it's Football's complicated, and there's a lot of stuff happening, and you just got to play the game. And sometimes you beat the Ravens in the playoffs. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, I mean, that's such like a weird straw man, too, because I don't think anybody's arguing that the Packers are a better football team than the Niners. It's just that the Packers can easily win one game against the Niners. Yeah, it can yeah. happen. It will happen. <laughs> Damn it. All right. NFC Championship weekend. It is here. Let's go, people. Let's uh, let's go to the Super Bowl. Why not? We can do it. We can do it. All right. All right. We're getting off the rails. I got to calm down. Got to take my meds. <laughs> Enjoy a nice glass of scotch tonight, Zach. Yeah, Come just going to unwind with a nice glass of scotch. Drink it slowly over the course of three or four days. And uh, <laughs> all right, we're out of here. Go Pack Go. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.